keys feel different tonight. Let's see how that plays out. Anyway, welcome to the Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. This is the show where I do improvised horror stories. I say out loud a title submitted by the audience, uh, and then I make up the stories from there. story titles to submit, you can send them to quarantinespookshow at gmail.com. Also, I'll be exhibiting at the Virtual Comics Festival, uh, TCAF, uh, the Toronto Comics and Arts Festival. And there's an online shop and some programs available between May 8th and May 15th. listening to this show at the time of its recording, definitely swing by the TCAF portal and check out my work. I feel like there's something else I had to mention uh, before at the top of the show. It's not quite coming to mind. I think for now, I'll just let the piano keys do the talking. And let's get the show started. Alright, this first story is called Culinary Research. trying to whisk some basic eggs but they kept getting everywhere all over the counter Mitchell called himself a perfectionist but that's not quite how I would define it sure he enjoyed cooking to an extent and some people liked his dishes Every time he cooked, it was just uh, strings upon strings of of anxiety building upon each other and getting tangled. So when he was at the chef's table, uh, he considered himself to be an incoherent mess. But sometimes within that mess, he was able to whip out a basic recipe...
you did spend two years at a culinary school. Learned all the basics of making standard steak dinners at country clubs and brunches for mass gatherings such as Easter and Mother's Day. A lot of banquet service work that we pretty much specialized in. And sure, he applied to many other jobs. Uh, really aspiring to be a head chef at some nice restaurant. Even if it was attached to a hotel or something, he wasn't picky. At the end of the day, he just wanted to show what he was made of. But no restaurant would hire him. Sure, the experience was there, but uh, his criminal record was a bit too dicey for them. Eventually got a job at a Holiday Inn. He was an assistant to the head chef there. Sometimes he'd take the reins uh, when the Holiday Inn would uh, rent out their banquet area for weddings and birthdays and bar mitzvahs and other types of gatherings that you can think of. And things were opening up again since the pandemic and the Holiday Inn was slightly letting people in. Still sketchy. People still had a gross discomfort of traveling and staying in hotels. And going to gatherings in general. And then there were people who just didn't give a shit. Didn't care about the risk. Thought that everyone was out of the woods when they weren't quite there yet. Mitchell did his best at that job. He would make chicken, it would occasionally be over undercooked. Sometimes the rice he'd make would be a little bit dry. The people who attended the banquets at the Holiday Inn, you know, they didn't quite notice the minute details of uh, his cuisine. They just thought, the yeah, house is fine, you know, it's just whatever banquet food. There was one night when uh, Mitchell was in charge of prepping a bunch of salads, and I stored them in a hot box and all that, and had a silver dish over each plate. And there were some temp waiters working that day. get the salads, you just be like, oh, this salad smells like shit. And Mitchell was just like, well, what are you talking about? And the waiter was just like, yeah, man, this is like a shitty smelling salad. 
Mitchell's just like, well, we watched it and everything. I don't know what to tell you. So the waiter took it out, and the people at the banquet, they ate the salads. Though they did agree that it smelled like shit, but, you know, they ate it anyway. Mitchell did like using uh, the uh, kitchen at the Holiday Inn. It's larger than the one in his uh, studio apartment. Sometimes he'd stay a little bit later just to experiment with different dishes. He'd bring his own ingredients, and then when he'd clock out, he'd try to make things that he was into. And he'd feed it to the custodian ta the custodial staff uh, who was staying late. They just be like, yeah, it's all right. Or they might be like extra nice about it, just like, oh yeah, it's really good, good job. But Mitchell knew that he wasn't a great chef. And what he hated about it was that he tried his hardest to be. But none of his meals were just quite right. So I spent all of his time uh, doing research and how to be a better chef. Try different uh, recipes, different ingredients, different spices. But still, to the palates that people gave it to, uh, it all came off as pretty subpar. He was feeling experimental, so he decided to rummage through the different ingredients at the Holiday Inn. And they had some basics, you know, they had some uh, old, dry, expired basil, salt, some crusty paprika, shriveled uh, cloves of garlic. Lettuce that smelled bad. Then deep in the freezer, he found a, uh, what looked like a coffee can, like a Folgers uh, coffee container. So he opened it, and, uh, it looked like a spice mix of some sort. different uh, grains in it, you know, there were some salt crystals in there, it smelled like a little bit of uh, like allspice or barabara, so something was a little bit different about it. For all he knew, it could be, uh, you know, toilet cleaner or something, one of the many gross, it could be one of the many gross, uh, Ingredients of that people put in cigarettes or whatever. So one night at 2 a.m., he was uh, adding this concoction, mixing it with his food. Three M rolled around. He uh, 
finish a nice plate of it, uh, a nice baked chicken with this powder all glazed upon it. walking around just like checking in and whatnot and then Mitchell was just like hey do you want to try this uh, dish that I made and then the manager said uh, you know Mitchell I'm cool with you like staying late if you want to use the kitchen but you know I'm, I'm about to clock out and everything you know maybe another time huh and Mitchell was just like oh please you just gotta try it I really have a good feeling about this dish so the manager, uh, Jeb, he was just like, he sighed and was just like, alright, fine. Just one bite, though. So he carved off a little piece of the breast and then put it in his mouth, uh, munched on it, hesitant at first. And he was just like, hmm, yeah, hmm, this is good. And Mitchell was just like, really? Mitchell's entire life he's never he's never served food to anyone and then have them react to it in a in a very earnest way of a genuine enthusiasm and joy from the food that he made with the exception of him making a peanut butter jelly sandwich when he was 10 and feeding it to his mom but mainly his mom was just trying to be supportive and just proud of his son for making any kind of sandwich so the manager, Jeb, was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll take a whole plate. And Mitchell was just like, wow, okay. So I carved off some of the breast and some of the leg. And then Jeb was just like, hmm, yeah, that's really good. What did you make this with? And then Mitchell was just like, you know, uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, uh, some random shit I found in a freezer. And Jeb was just like, all right, well, I hope it's not toxic then. And Mitchell's just like, ha ha ha, I, I don't know, I don't know. And Jeb was like, well, yeah, yeah, more of this, though, you know. If you want to make this for the next banquet, you know, I'm down for that. And then a week later, that's, uh, exactly what Mitchell did. It was his job to make a dish for a wedding, a wedding reception, and they had to make a bunch of trays of baked chicken. So I pretty much emptied that whole container and made tray after tray of this baked chicken. He wrote out a recipe for the other uh, cooks to follow. the time the wedding reception came around, uh, everyone was ready for it. Some of the waiters had a couple of bites of it, what was left over on their lunch break after they already served it to the wedding reception. And then one of the waiters was like, hmm, yeah, this is really good. What'd you make this with? And he was just like, oh, just some shit I found in the freezer, you know. 
and I gave some to Jeff, uh, to, to Jeb uh, about a week ago, and he was really into it, so I'm surprised he's not here, you know, so we can have, like, a full, realized version of it. And then one of the other banquet workers was just like, oh no, Jeb called out sick. And Mitchell was just like, oh, really? Yeah, Jeb called out sick, uh, you know, he's been out all week. Was like, oh shit, I hope it's not COVID or something. And then the banquet server was just like, no, it's, I don't know. He didn't say what it was. It's not COVID, but apparently it really, really got him down. So Mitchell went home that day, uh, not, uh, not hanging around the kitchen or cooking. He already felt accomplished for making it a, an original recipe, finally. Something that works. Maybe he could apply to more culinary jobs and test it out with other people. They had another banquet to uh, prep. He was in charge of salads. There were some steak dinners already prepared. But he went to the holiday and something was wrong. Usually there'd be like a recepti uh, receptionist to greet him, but uh, she wasn't there. entire hotel seemed pretty vacant. Didn't feel this vacant since the first mandates first came down. They went to the kitchen and also it was empty. Exactly, an early early bird, uh, but he was used to greeting people as they came in. Sometimes he liked to come in early so we could have some time to experiment or prep. Mitchell was like, "Hey, any anyone else in here? Hey, hello." First, he was thinking if the banquet was canceled or something, but even if that was the case, someone would have called or something. Or maybe it could have been restationed somewhere else in the hotel doing a room service or something. And somewhere down the hall, he could hear some peculiar sounds. chopping, a lot of, uh, salivating sounds, a lot of chewing. He didn't know what to make of it, make of it but against his better ju judgment, curiosity beckoned him to follow the sounds. 
an elevator where the uh, where the kitchen was and the doors were just opening and closing over and over and he didn't know what to make of it but he could see a pair of legs uh, where the elevator was being closed on so he looked inside the elevator saw that the elevator doors were closing off on a dead body, sitting on a pool of blood. It was one of the temp waiters, uh, the one that made fun of his salads. And digging to his torso were these two large jackal-like creatures. But with hands like claws, digging into him. Hairless and almost human, but larger and more vicious. Feasting on this temp waiter's flesh. Mitchell just watched the sight in horror. started to ooze from the elevator. Mitchell just backed away slowly. Until there was a squeak underneath one of his shoes. And then the two creatures darted right in his direction. Mitchell was still. And the creatures were still. And then the creatures turned back and continued feeding. They were already satiated. They didn't have any use for Mitchell. So Mitchell started to walk back down the hallway into the kitchen area, and then in a daze. He couldn't fix things straight. It was a similar type of anxiety to when he would cook. This one was much more darker and much more troubling. Eventually he just started to wander. He didn't know where else to go. He was babbling to himself, unable to comprehend what he saw. And that's when he started to see more blood, more bodies. trying to flee but failed. And down another hall, Mitchell uh, saw one of those jackal creatures uh, make eye contact with him. And then the jackal creature sprinted at him. Mitchell ran the other direction through a door and sealed it shut, and the creature was banging on the door, 
howling, barking, growling, snarling, screaming. Mitchell just ran down the stairs. Other creatures banging at the door. Mitchell went down to the downstairs hallway. He found his found his way in the break room. They saw this one custodian uh, eat his lunch and watch TV. And on TV was the news uh, about a string of murders that happened uh, in a neighborhood nearby the hotel. But not by a person, but by some beast. Anchor was saying it was some sort of something almost like a mammal, almost like a human, about one and a half size of an average uh, human, with features like a hairless jackal. And they hap apprehended one of these monsters, uh, attacking people in the neighborhood. Mitchell saw their face, and it resembled a uh, Jeb, the Holiday Inn manager. Custodian just sat quietly, uh, he was eating some ramen that he brought in. Seasoned it with some spices he brought from home. And they just said, uh, do you use that, uh, powder in the, uh, freezer? And the Mitchell was just like, uh, what, what? Sudian said, uh, did you use that powder in the freezer when you worked that wedding? And Mitchell was just like, um, yeah, 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 I did. And then Kasudian said, do you know what that powder was? And then Mitchell was just like, uh, no, I, no, I didn't. I just put it in the, put it in the dishes. I don't know. And then Kasudian said, well, why would you put it in your food if you didn't know what it was? kind of chef would do that. And Mitchell was just like, uh, I guess not a good chef. I guess I'm not a good chef. Good chef. There, I admit it. Fine. Exudian shook his head, and he was just like, I don't know where that powder came from. chef to use it. Probably about 13, uh, 16 years ago. Someone set it up as a room service meal for just like a one, for like a specialty order. It was a really nice couple that was staying uh, in a room on the third floor. They just want to spend a romantic weekend together alone, just away from the kids. time to check out. They didn't come by the counter. Come by the front desk or anything like that. So one of the staff members went to check in on them. 
just saw that they were both dead. Both non-human. And they both mauled each other to death. That room's been repurposed as a storage closet since. Because the blood was too difficult to clean. It sticks more than just human blood. that powder was still in the building. Or what was left of it, at least. And you fed it to everyone who attended that wedding. And now all those monsters are roaming the hotel. And roaming the woods around it. sitting here biding my time until there's a good safe way out. And then he lifted up his shirt and showed a pistol. And then he said, I never bring my gun to work, but something told me it was necessary today. And then Mitchell was just like, um, alright, do you think we can escape the hotel together? And the custodian laughed and said, You can try, but... In my opinion... I don't think there is an escape. Alright. This next installment is called Short-Stemmed Slippery Jack. Mitchell sealed the break room door shut. It was the only entry and exit uh, in and out of the room. The custodian, whose name was Ben, kept eating his noodles and kept watching TV. sit there and eat, watch, watch TV and all that. And then uh, the Katsuti and Ben was just like, well, yeah, you know. <clears throat> Even if we get out of the hotel, we'll still have to navigate the streets and the forests. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know how this thing spreads, you know. You might think this could just be an isolated incident, but 
What, do you think the government's gonna snuff, snuff this out? They don't know how to do anything. No, when I think uh, the time is right, maybe by sunlight, I'll make a break for my car. Try to go back to my house, get my guns together. And just hole up, you know? got preservatives and canned goods and all that. So I'm a prepper, you know? So I can fucking handle it. And then Mitchell's like, well, we gotta, we gotta do something to undo all this. And then Ben just laughs, just being like, well, I bet you feel that way because you're the dude that caused all of it. First thing you probably want to do is get rid of that powder. And then Mitchell was just like, oh, don't worry, I use it all. And Ben was just like, oh, that's not reassuring. But. Yeah, you're better off cutting your losses and just accept the world that, uh, that is full of jackals and just deal with it. Suddenly there's a bang on the door. Who shouts and said, Let us in, let us in. So Mitchell uh took it on his feet just to open the door really quickly. And let two people in and then sealed the door shut and then some jackals are kept ram ramming themselves at the door. And then Ben Chuckle just said, Huh Now they know we're here. two people, a uh, man and a woman, named uh, Brad and Barbara. And Barbara's just like, oh shit, that was a close one. And Brad was just like, yeah, this wedding's so fucked. And then Mitchell said, oh, you two were at the wedding? And then Barbara said, yeah, I was a, yeah, I'm a bridesmaid. And then Brad just said, uh, I was hanging, I was just hanging out. I knew the groom from college. And then Mitchell said, well, you didn't eat the chicken, did you? And they both shook their heads, no, no, we're vegan. Okay, because it was in the it was in the chicken, you know. So once everyone at the wedding reception ate that chicken, that's when they started to turn into these things, you know, overrunning the hotel and the woods around it. And then Brad said, "Yeah, well, whoever cooked that chicken is a fucking asshole." Then. said, all right, so what's the plan? What are you guys doing? And then Ben said, uh, someone else already trying to butt in. <clears throat> and then 
Mitchell said, we're just going to wait till sunrise and then make a break for it. And then Brad was like, oh yeah, pretty uh, Night of Living Dead, you know. And then Barbara said, well, at least I'm not, you know, catatonic or whatever. So they stayed out uh, during the night in that break room, eating some leftover catering food. Talking about their lives, their dreams, their aspirations. Barbara was talking about moving to California. Brad also said he wanted to do that. They both made a pact about uh, moving to California when and if all this was over. was just uh, making some old coffee and mixing it with Kool-Aid from the uh, soda fountain dispenser because the Hemi didn't have any agency in his life anymore. All I wanted to do was be a de was to be a decent chef. Couldn't even do that right without infecting society in a way so it destroys itself. Actually, it was about 6 a.m. It felt much longer than it was. Probably because they were all waiting for the time, and which is pretty much like watching paint dry. But also maybe because, since their lives were at risk, they were able to enjoy the time a little bit more. time we gotta we gotta make a break for it at some point and Ben was just like yeah I guess it is that time so they all uh, stood near the door and then Ben said now do you all know where you're going because I'm heading to my car and uh, I can drop you off somewhere uh, both uh, took Ubers respectively. Mitchell took the bus. So they all agreed to go to Ben's car and he can drop him off where he was able to. As long as in the proximity of him going to his house. 
his gun, his uh, pistol ready. And they all slowly opened the door and peered out. The halls were vacant and silent. walked slowly, trying not to make any noise. By the first corner they turned, they saw a, a body sprawled out against the wall, sitting down, neck limp. And then Brad said it must have been the screams that came from last night. And then they all nodded solemnly. And they all walked slowly, Souls, dead bodies. Eventually, they made it, they made it to the uh, hallway. That was near where the dumpsters were. And ben said, "All right, my car is just in the employee parking lot, just up ahead." this vicious barking, you know. Some screaming attached to it. They look over and they see a guy uh, wedged between two cars trying to shake a jackal beast uh, off his leg. But the beast was just like taking more bites out of him. And the guy slowly became limp. Ben said, alright, that's my car over there, just that van. So they all sprint. And it gets the attention of a jackal beast who runs after them. They all make it to the car, but then the beast uh, attacks Brad. Brad starts screaming. And then he falls and trips. Two more jackal beats arrive. Just devouring him and munching on him. Barbara screaming. Mitchell just says quietly, Oh, whoa, hey. And then they hear more gunshots. And then they, uh, the mauls of the jackal beasts uh, become silent. of a nearby car uh, is a dude with a trench coat and a really uh, wide-brimmed uh, Van Helsing hat and he's shooting at any jackal beasts that are coming around in the parking lot. 
meanwhile, Mitchell, Barbara, and Ben, they're all in the car. And then Mitchell is just like, oh, we need that guy on our team. And then Ben was just like, nah, that guy seems like a tool. someone experienced and, you know, maybe you want to drop him off somewhere, but I think me and Mitchell might want to keep hanging out with him. And Ben was just like, alright, fine, but I'm just going to my house and that'll be that, you know. So Ben's driving, uh, drives near the guy, and then Mitchell shouted, was just like, hey, need a lift? And the guy was just like, yeah, sure. Says it all in a very, like, heroic kind of way, like, haha, you know but also gritty, you know. So he hops in Ben's car and they all drive off. Ben doesn't drive too fast, but uh, there are a lot of cars already parked on the highways and stuff. So he really spends a lot of time needling around cars. Seeing a lot of jackal beasts around. A lot of, some people just fleeing. Barbara turns to the guy and he says, like, oh, so what's your name? And he said, oh, I'm a, I'm six-stemmed Slippery Jack. And then Mitchell's just like, what kind of, how, how'd you get that name? And then Slippery Jack said, well, my name's Jack. None of those beasts could catch me, so that makes me slippery. Tripping balls and mushrooms uh, when all this stuff happened. Therefore, they call me Six Semmed Slippery Jack. Or at least anyone who did call me that is dead now. I'm the last survivor. I found this cool coat and the, this cool hat in the coat room. And then Barbara was like, Yeah, I recognize that hat. I think it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, Jennifer, the bride's uh, father's hat. He really wanted to make a point to wear that hat. Uh, his daughter's wedding. And then Slipper Jack said, oh, well, now they're dead, so uh, they got that going for them. And then Ben was just like, alright, do any of you need a ride anywhere? I can only take you so far, you know. Just someone up in my house, but if you need, like, a community center, I can drop you off. Maybe, like, a mall, if we really want to get cliche about it. Jack said, well, I have a, I know of a friend that has a Jeep, uh, we can swing by his house and take his Jeep. He's probably dead, so maybe that can work. And then Mitchell was just like, well, yeah, but doesn't that take up a lot of gas, though? And then Slippery Jack said, oh, you're gonna care about the environment all of a sudden during, uh, another, yet another apocalyptic scenario? And then Mitchell is like, well, it's because of a lot of gas, you know, we're going to have to keep, like, refilling it and whatnot. And then Slippery Jack was just like, well, we gotta, you know, if we're going to die by fighting all these jackal beasts or whatever, you know, I want to look badass and cool when I do it. And then Ben was just like, alright, so where does your friend live? And 
Slippery Jack was just like, ah, just uh, up ahead in northwest. Eventually they go to a uh, parking garage. And they see the Jeep. So where Jack walks up and he unlocks the car. He already has a key on him. And Barbara's just like, how'd you know, how'd you have that key? Slippery Jack was just like, look, we all have to be honest with each other. Uh, bottom line is my friend was being a tool, uh, so I murdered him and took his car keys and was all like, if I see his car, I'm taking it. And now I have it. And then Mitchell and Barbara began uh, stepping out of the car. was just like, hey, uh, you two, you know, if you want to crash in my, uh, crash in my place for maybe a couple weeks, uh, until you're ready to move on again, you know, you can do that. You don't got to be with, uh, be with this tool here. And then Barbara was just like, yeah, well, he has, like, guns and stuff. That helps. And Venice is like, I have guns, and you can use some of them, too, you know. I'm not going to murder you for a pair of car keys. dawned on Mitchell that uh, he didn't know where he was going to go. He's on this ride with uh, Slippery Jack and Ben and Barbara, but he didn't have a plan for himself. Ben has a plan. Barbara might have a plan, hanging out with Slippery Jack. Slippery Jack's riding with the wind. But Mitchell, he didn't know. He thought he could go back to his apartment, but... Probably not that safe there. Maybe it would be safer with Ben. And then Mitchell's just like, yeah, you know what, Ben? I think I'll, if it's cool, I can crash with you. Um, I can cook, you know, if you want. It's like a room and board kind of thing. And then Ben laughed and said, I don't need your cooking, you know. Your company is just fine, you know. And suddenly Mitchell hears a gunshot. Passenger window's uh, broken open. And then Ben's bleeding out. Mitchell and Barbara look over at Slippery Jack, pointing his gun at Ben. Ben was on the older side and just starts to pass out. Mitchell grabs him, tries to wake him back up, try to seals his wound, seal his wound, but Ben's already fading, already starting to twitch. And then Ben just said, "What the fuck is?" I mean, uh, then Mitchell said, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Slippery Jack was just like, "Well, you know, 
The guy was a tool. He was gonna separate us and all that jazz. And then Barbara said, you're fucking insane. And then Slippery Jack said, nah, ha, ha, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. Ben's breathing and he says, like, Mitchell, come here, come here. Mitchell gets his ear cl close to Ben. Then Ben whispers his last words to Mitchell, and then passes out and dies. And Slippery Jack said, look, if you don't want to end up like that guy, uh, you better join me in this uh, hot, sexy jeep, and then we can ride off together into the sunset, take out as many jackal beasts as we can. start to approach the backseat of the jeep. And then Barbara whispers to Mitchell, what did Ben say? And then Mitchell just said, kill that motherfucker. Alright. This next installment is called Appendages. Mitchell and Barbara <clears throat> were learning how much of a crazy motherfucker Slippery Jack was. He was driving 80 miles an hour in the Jeep, deeper into the desert. If we saw any of the jackal beasts uh, that were formerly human on the road, he tried to run them over. Recklessly shoot them out the window, not conserving any bullets at all. Subway Jack mentioned that he was on shrooms uh, when this wave of apocalypse was occurring. But he just started to go full manic, and Barbara and Mitchell had no idea what he was on, what he was on uh, except for his own ego. He was just like, ah, oh, fuck man, you gotta live like the open road, you know? It's like I'm a great hand and you're all my appendages, you know? And we're gonna fucking grab what we need and get going, man.
was just like blasting this one typo negative CD uh, with the volume all the way up and playing it over and over since I left the city. Meanwhile, Mitchell and Barbara were just like these hostages in the back. Mitchell didn't tell Barbara. He said he grabbed Ben's pistol right when he died. The thing was, Jack, uh, Jack was driving so fast that he couldn't take an opportunity to shoot him. So it crashed the car. He didn't even know how many bullets it had. Jack said, hey, Mitchell, what's your, what's your favorite band? And then Mitchell was just like, um, you know, I don't really have a favorite band. And Slippery Jack said, come on, Mitchell, what's your favorite band, or I'm going to rename you. And then Mitchell was just like, I don't know, um, I guess I like Sublime, you know. Slippery Jack was like, ah, Sublime. What are you, from California? What about you, Barbara? What's your favorite band? And she was just like, um, I don't know. I listened to a lot of Fall Out Boy when I was in high school. And Slippery Jack was just like, ha, a couple of squares in this Jeep. No, you gotta listen to face-melting, face-melting music. Slippery Jack had a proclivity to rant and repeat himself. And it really made uh, Mitchell and Barbara unnerved to be held hostage by uh, Slippery Jack's mental illness. A string of mental illnesses and uh, his derangement and all that. started to sputter a bit. The engine was going out of whack. Slippery Jack was like, you're fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me? Then he pulls over real quick. Getting Mitchell and Barbara hitting both their heads on the on the seats in front of them. Slippery Jack pulls out the keys and gets out. And then he just keeps shouting, there's no gas, there's no gas. Jack gets back in. He sits in the shotgun seat. And then he takes his rifle and he holds it against his chest and cradles it. And then he sighs. He says, alright, I'm gonna make this uh, democratic. Uh, what do you all think? What do you think we should do from here? said, uh, well, you know, I think, uh, we're in the desert, uh, kind of in the middle of the nowhere, in the Oregon desert, um, don't have much of a choice to do anything else but to walk, um, 
that's also dangerous. Uh, so who knows if any of those jackal beasts are out. But I think we've driven far enough out, uh, so we're not in their proximity. So it might be worthwhile to try walking, but doing that at night is a different story. And then he was just like, ah. Alright, that's a good idea. That's a good idea, Sublime. It's pretty good. What do you think, Pete? Barbara didn't register that somewhere Jack was talking to her. Then she remembered that a member of Fall Out Boy was named Pete Wentz, so he assumed Slippery Jack. She assumed uh, Slippery Jack was drawing that connection. And she was just like, "Um, I agree with uh, I agree with Mitchell." And then Slippery Jack said, "Sublime. His name's Sublime. He has such a hard on for Sublime." And then Barb was just like, "Okay, well, I think you know us walking uh, would probably be a good idea." stay here for the night and start walking in the morning so we can see where we're going shoot any of those uh, jackal beasts that we see and then Slippery Jack was just like yeah yeah I like that it's really cool it's a great idea Sublime why didn't you why didn't you think about that Mitchell why didn't that occur to you did you ever think have you spent your whole life not thinking Jack gets out of the car, gets into the driver's seat, and tries to start the engine again. Then it fails, and then he just starts screaming and cursing, "Fuck! Fuck! Fuck!" Then he points his rifle at both Barbara and Mitchell, and then he asks, "Do you two know how to build a fire?" They both uh, look at each other and slowly nod. And the slippery Jack was just like, "All right, hop to it." Start a fire. Get some wood from some trees nearby. It takes a while to light because there's still moisture in them. But they manage to get it going. It's already dark. Slippery Draca takes some cliff bars and then tosses them to Barbara and Mitchell, who's just like, Here, my friend was super into hiking. Dig in, because I didn't find any good food there. I don't know, maybe we can stop by a diner, you know? Maybe find a good Dairy Queen, uh, get like a hot dog or like a creamy ice cream thing, you know? Doesn't that sound cool? So they're all sitting around the fire. The stars look beautiful, despite everything. And they're slowly eating their cliff bars. Neither Mitch or Barbara don't eat. They don't eat theirs. Uh, they don't finish theirs. Rather, they just put it away and decide to save it for later. Meanwhile, Slippery Jack is—he uh, already ate three Cliff Bars. And he's just like, ah, oh, feels like there's a rock in my stomach, right? Goddamn! Look at that view. Those beautiful stars. See, we can see the Milky Way from here. See both the Dippers, Orion's Belt. You 
know, when I was a kid, I could see a, there was a constellation that looked just like my face. In fact, if you squint your eyes, you can kind of see it now, if you both look up. And Mitch and Barbara just awkward, awkwardly nodded. And then Slippery Jack was just like, look up! And then he pointed the rifle at them. And then he both looked up, and then Barbara was just like, oh yeah, I kind of see it. Slippery Jack was just like, haha, yeah, you're so smart, Barbara. What about you, Mitchell? You see it? <clears throat> and then Mitchell, uh, said when, uh, said in a callous tone, I thought you were calling me sublime. And then Slippery Jack was just like, well, I prefer Mitchell now. But you know what? I can go back to calling you sublime if you prefer it. I'll call you whatever you want, babe. Just ask. And then Mitchell just said, Mitchell's fine. And then Slippery Jack was just like, yeah, it's so crazy where life takes you, you know? You know, at first I thought my life fell apart when the pandemic happened. But, you know, then this, then this whole, uh, people at a wedding turning into jackal beasts, you know? fucking crazy, you know? I had no idea that life could take you in so many interesting directions and you can make all these friends along the way. So Barbara cleared her throat. <clears throat> so, uh, what were you doing at the hotel? Uh, Slippery Jack was just like, oh, I was, uh, I was there for a, uh, for a gaming conference, uh, for game design and whatnot. You know, I was, uh, I was tripping balls the night of the, that wedding, I guess. And we were gonna have our, our little banquet ceremony, uh, afterwards, but, uh, that got ruined by, uh, that wedding, everyone turning into monsters or whatever. So I was tripping balls while that happened, and I just started to, you know, shoot a bunch of those things. And then I was just really on it and hunting them down and kicking their asses. And then it dawned on me, you know, I am a god. Therefore, I could do whatever, whenever. Assume any persona and just do whatever the fuck. And it was all simple, man. It was so easy. Mitchell was just like, you, so you brought a rifle to a game conference? And Slippery Jack laughed and was just like, ah, oh, well, you know, gotta, gotta be protected, you know, in these unprecedented times or whatever, am I right? And then Slippery Jack was just like, oh, you know, really makes me wonder, like, scientifically, like, how this could have happened. monsters they could have how they trans how these people transformed into monsters like was it was it satan was it fate did the planets align for this tragedy to befall mankind you know what could have been man slippery jack adjusted his hat he thought he looked really cool but barbara and mitchell were in agony watching this psychopath self-actualize in front of their very eyes 
willing to do anything to make it stop. So Mitchell chimed in and said, Well, yeah, I heard, uh, I heard it was in the food. And Slippery Jack was just like, what do you mean? And Mitchell was just like, well, you know, all the people at the wedding who transformed into those monsters and started to wreak havoc on that Holiday Inn and the woods around it, the neighborhoods and highways and all that, apparently they had this, uh, chicken with, a specific seasoning in it. And then that transform transformed them all into the monsters. And Slippery Jack was just like, whoa, how do you know that? Were you working in the kitchen or anything? And the Mitchell was just like, yeah, I was. And, uh, it was some sort of powder in a coffee canister. And it really transformed everyone from there, you know. And the Slippery Jack was just like, well, that's... That's neurotic. That's imbecilic. That's absurd. Obscene. Who would possibly do that to people? Be so cruel. Mitchell was just like, well, you know what? The powder made a, for a good dish, so I served it. Uh, really proud of it. You know what? Despite everything that happened, it was probably the best food that I've ever made. said, oh, that was, that was you. You were the one who cooked that damn dastardly chicken and I fed it to that wedding and they became monsters? And then Mitchell was just like, yeah. Yeah, that was me. And then Slippery Jack said, well... That's such a tragedy upon humanity. A crime against everyone and everything precious that you committed. In fact, and then Slippery Jack aimed his rifle at Mitchell, I ought to shoot you for it. But goddammit, if this regional and potentially global tragedy, if this didn't happen, I wouldn't have self-actualized and became the man that I am today. So Mitchell, as my appendage, I thank you. Together we can be a great hand and really change the world for the better. Get rid of all these monsters. Really start anew. And then Barbara muttered. Well, sounds like a sounds like a sounds like a cult. And Slipper Jack was just like, what was that? Barbos was like, that sounds like a fucking cult, and I'm not, I'm not into that. Uh, don't want to do that. So then 
and Silver Jack aimed a rifle at her, and was just like, well, as my appendage, you gotta do what I say. If we're gonna be a great hand, like a master hand or whatever, fucking Smash Bros style, you gotta do what I say. And then Barbara's just like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to. I, I can't live like this another night with you. You're nuts, you're fucking crazy. Suddenly, Barbara stood up and then started to sprint away. And Silver Jack was just like, hey, and then he pointed the rifle. And then started to fire it into the dark. Mitchell charged at him, tried to take the gun away from him. And Silver Jack shot Mitchell. Right in the gut. Silver Jack stood up. Mitchell's blood on his shirt. Ran towards Barbara. And then caught up with her and grabbed her by the hair. And then dragged her back to the campfire. And then threw her down and he said, sit down. And Mitchell was bleeding out. Jack said, alright, well, I think my forefinger, my, uh, pointer finger is bleeding out here. So as my pinky, you're gonna have to pick up the slack. And Slipper Jack pointed the rifle at Barbara once again, and said, so you're gonna do exactly what I say. And then a gunshot rang out. Then a second... Slippery Jack fell over, and, Mitch, and uh, Mitchell was pointing Ben's pistol at him. Slippery Jack started to scream, Ah! Ah, shit! Mitchell fired two more shots, and then it was empty after that. Jack tried to go for his rifle, and then Barbara kicked it out of the way. Slippery Jack lied directly on his back. Started to breathe really heavy. His eyes were shark-eyed, and he was staring off upward to the sky. Mitchell sat down again, and Barbara says, Oh shit, Mitchell, you're okay? And then Mitchell said, No, no, it's fine. It's it's better this way. I wasn't sure if... Barbara was just like, Not sure if what? And Mitchell said, Well, I had, I had Ben's gun, and I knew... Um, I had a feeling that I'd be more resistant to bullets, uh, so I think it should be okay. Barbara said, resistant bullets, what do you mean? And then Barbara looked at Mitchell's gun wound. And his blood was a little bit different. It was shinier and darker. Barbara shed a tear and said, you're not becoming one of those things, are you? 
Mitchell said, I had, well, when I made the chicken, I had some of it. It was only like a small portion, uh, but I could feel the changes happen. I just didn't know, wasn't sure what they were. But I feel like when we were hostages for Slippery Jack, I thought, you know, maybe I could put to good use, I don't know. Barbosa's was like, Mitchell, we gotta get out of here. If we keep driving, we can make it to the next time. Maybe make it to the next town, warn other people, and we can prep for it. And, you know, maybe we can, you know, quarantine the Northwest, maybe we can take care of these monsters, you know. And Mitchell said, oh, that sounds great, you surely do that. I think it's too late for me, which I accept, because I was the one that caused all this anyway. But you gotta get out of here. You gotta keep going forward. And Barbos is like, well, I can't. I'm, you know, it's, it's like dark out, you know. And then Mitchell's just like, I just, I saw a flashlight in the car. Just follow the road. Uh, if you see like a gas station or something, maybe they can help you out, you know. You gotta, you just gotta keep going, cause I don't know how, I don't know when these changes are gonna like take effect, you know. And Barbara was hesitant. She wanted to say, "You can come with me. We can do this together." But she knew if Mitchell was gonna become one of these monsters, then he'll probably want to hunt her down too. It's something Mitchell thought of also. So he just said, you know, they won't, you know, when I've met these monsters, they don't attack people when they're feeding. So I'll feed for the night and I'll buy you some time to get a head start. So you keep going, you know. I don't know how much further that Jeep will go, but you should drive it as far as you can and then get out and start walking. got up and she started to look around the jeep and then saw in the trunk there was a canister of gas so she started to fill it up immediately and then Mitchell groaned and he was just like I don't know what hurts more if it's, if it's a me dying or me turning into a monster Barbara just laughed, tears coming out of her eyes. She thought it was fucked up, but she really did like that joke in the moment. So Barbara went up to Mitchell again. She was like, okay, I'm gonna get going. I'm saying goodbye now. And then Mitchell said, yeah, you go. You go. And I hope you make it to California when all this blows over. And then Barbara was just like, yeah, fuck the West Coast, man. I'm just gonna keep driving. And Mitchell was just like, ha, that's, that's the spirit. So Barbara kissed his forehead and then went to the Jeep. She started and started to drive off. She drove slow at first, not knowing the Jeep very well. And then she looked at the rear view mirror and saw Mitchell crawl towards Slippery Jack. Slippery Jack trying to fend off Mitchell. And then she saw Mitchell 
dig his face in a slippery jack's torso and start to devour him. Barbara was heartbroken to watch her new friend succumb to these monster instincts. So she looked away from the rearview mirror and then just kept driving ahead. But what she didn't know is that from Mitchell's point of view, it was the best meal that he ever had. Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. And if you're listening to this at the time of the recording, check out my exhibit at uh, the Toronto Comics and Arts Festival. It'll be up for another week or so. And good night. <laughs>